my name is Jerry Ton. It's an honor and privilege to be able to be with you today at Eaglemont Church. And I've been asked to talk a little bit about mental health, a subject that I certainly appreciate uh, discussing. And uh, so as I was thinking about that today, I thought about the importance of pursuing wholeness. Um, I think that God uh, wants us to pursue wholeness on this, uh, while we live here on this planet. And in order to look at how do we pursue wholeness, uh, I'm going to look at a few things. First of all, I remember as a child, um, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I was about 20 years of age, where I got to know the Lord as my personal Lord and Savior. And I remember the night that I accepted Christ, uh, the overwhelming sense of joy I sent, I felt and peace, knowing that I was forgiven. And knowing that I was transformed by God. And I was a young child, and it, it really had a profound impact on me, the salvation story. It certainly did. And I'm sure you here today have your own salvation story, where you could talk about the goodness of God and how God came into your life and forgave all your sins. And, uh, and uh, you know, and we have seen uh, people respond to the gospel message and be and experience the love of God for the first time in their lives. If you've been around new Christians, you have seen that happen as well. But it wasn't long after I accepted the Lord that I realized I still have trouble. I still am not fully whole. Um, and why is it that Christians uh, still struggle even after we have the Lord? We can still have sleepless nights. We can still wrestle with anxiety issues, right? And what complicates that sometimes is we'll hear an incredible testimony of deliverance, and we ask, why is God not delivering me? Uh, and uh, people throwing out verses like, the old has gone, the new has come, ask anything in my name, God is my refuge and strong tower. And we begin to sometimes stigmatize uh, ourselves uh, because we think that we're lesser Christians, because maybe we are still not whole. Maybe we still have issues with anxiety and depression. And uh, the question may come into our lives. Um, why are we still struggling? Well, I think the Bible gives some insight into this and tells us theologically that we are still human. We still wrestle with our humanity, be it physically, spiritually, and emotionally. When man sinned in the Garden of Eden, when man failed God, um, we, be, we broke down and, and wholeness left us. And uh, we were no longer whole. And uh, that didn't just affect our physical body, it affected our mental being as well. So uh, when we wrestle with a lack of wholeness, we need to understand that the whole person was affected through the fall of man. That is why we need to be careful not to stigmatize. We might, uh, for instance, we might be very caring for someone who has a heart condition, bring them meals, uh, help them, drive them to appointments, those kinds of things, or someone who's wrestling with a tumor. But certain people will shy away and stay away from anyone who has a mental issue. Um, it's, it's, it's not right that we stigmatize mental health we're okay with other issues, other health issues, but we stigmatize mental health issues. It's not right. The fall actually affected every part of our being, including our mental health. But at the same time, I think God wants us to pursue wholeness. He wants us to pursue wholeness. 
uh, in our life. He wants us to pursue wholeness. Um, I looked up the definition of wholeness, and the Oxford Dictionary classifies wholeness as a noun, the state of forming a complete and harmonious whole, unity, the state of being unbroken or undamaged, good physical or mental health. Well, for me, in the Bible, the transformational model, which for me is the Great Commandment, is a picture of pursuing wholeness. The Great Commandment for me is a picture of pursuing wholeness. Let me explain. I think the breakdown of the Great Commandment is kind of gives us a picture of managing all of the polarities that God mentions in the Great Commandment. We need to manage all of them, and in, in every one of these polarities, we need to pursue wholeness. For instance, love God with all your heart. That is spiritual transformation. That happened the day we accepted Christ as our Savior. Many Christians will say, well, you've got the Lord. Um, you don't have to worry anymore. You, have no, you can't get depressed anymore. You can't have anxiety anymore because you have the Lord. And if you've accepted the Lord, he's in you. And, uh, you know, uh, you no longer have the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. And, uh, you know, verses like that, be anxious for nothing. But what we forget to realize is that loving God with all of our hearts, which is spiritual transformation, is only one piece of pursuing wholeness. Loving God with all of our soul, the Greek word is siki, siki logos, gives us the English word psychology. So siki logos is literally the study of the soul. Loving God with all of our soul, siki, is in, uh, involves not only spiritual transformation, but personality transformation. When we begin to pursue God, uh, loving him with all our soul is we begin to give our personalities over to God. Character transformation begins to happen in our lives. So loving God with all our soul is basically personality and character transformation. I become more self-aware. For instance, maybe I'm on the road and I will watch that I will not get into road rage or I will treat my wife well and my children well. Um, that is all part of loving God with all my soul. I become aware of the fragility of my personality, of the rough edges, the blind spots. Uh, to love God with all my soul means I might have to bring in some friends to help me with my blind spots. So loving God with all our soul is our personality transformation. So loving God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. Loving God with all our mind is conceptual transformation. We talk about the renewing of the mind in Romans chapter 12. And God wants uh, conceptual transformation to happen. His word needs to become the guiding motivator in our lives, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Strength is motivational transformation. Why is it that the Christian cares so much about the poor, is willing to deliver uh, food baskets to the poor, is willing to get involved in the community? It isn't that we're trying to build up accolades or get special something special in terms of recognition. It's the agape love in us, the Holy Spirit in us, that causes us to love God with all of our strength and get involved in ministry. God also gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, and we begin to use those. It might be teaching Sunday school. It might be involved, being involved in leadership. Uh, this is all part of pursuing wholeness, loving God with all our strength, and then loving our neighbor. 
That's relationship transformation. Um, all of a sudden, as a Christian, we become aware that we need to keep relationships intact. That if we have offended someone, we need to leave our gift at the altar, go and reconcile with the person we've offended, come back and offer our sacrifice. Or if we have been offended, we go and show the person their fault. If that person doesn't listen, you take someone with you and you go down the chain. Also, loving our neighbor as ourself and pursuing wholeness in the process means that we have to practice forgiveness for those who've sinned against us. This is all part of becoming mentally, spiritually, emotionally whole. Loving God with all, uh, loving our neighbor as ourselves is all part of the process of pursuing wholeness, relationship transformation. And the final one is loving ourselves. That's self-identity transformation. If I don't love myself, I can't love those that are around me. I'm not effective. And so for me, the pursuit of wholeness is the great, uh, is the transformational model, the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, spiritual transformation. Love God with all your uh, heart, soul, personality transformation. Love God with all your mind, conceptual transformation. Love God with all your strength, motivational transformation. Love your neighbor, relation trans relationship transformation, and love yourself, self-identity transformation. But in the process of um, loving God with all of our soul and pursuing psychological or mental health transformation, we sometimes still find ourselves struggling. And we may still have uh, issues with our mental health because we are not whole. We are pursuing wholeness, but we are not whole. Same, of course, applies in my love for God, my relation, my uh, trans, uh, spiritual transformation. There are times when I'm not living for God the, the way I should, or my relationship transformation. I'm not always living in the best relationships with my neighbors, and uh, th those are ongoing challenges. But loving God with all our soul, our psychological transformation, um, we may still struggle at times. And I want to address that a little bit this morning. Uh, and, and here's what uh, the definition of mental health is from the World Health Organization. Mental health is defined as a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her own potential, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. That is the World Health Organization. Mental health is becoming a big challenge for many of us. In uh, October of uh, 2019, National Post recorded that 67% of Canadians thought they had good mental health. One year later, October 2020, uh, National Post recorded uh, that the mental health had dropped to 44%. So there's a 23% drop between uh, October 2019 and October 2020. That, of course, is often and much probably mostly due to COVID and anxiety that surrounds COVID. And so we're going to look at about uh, we're going to look at anxiety a little bit today, because it is probably still the predominant kind of um, struggle that many of us have. I'm doing a seminar on February 27th. On February 27th at Eaglemont, I'm going to address a few other issues like psychosis that is schizophrenia, those kinds of things, schizophrenic uh, tendencies, 
uh, mood disorders, depression, bipolar disorders, that kind of stuff. I'm going to look at addictions. I'm going to look at uh, suicidal thoughts and suicidal behaviors. But today, I want to focus on anxiety because I think anxiety is a very, very difficult situation. I want to say that for me, there are three types of anxiety. Now, there's been different definition, definitions of anxiety over the years. Um, the, the one I'm going to use is the most modern definition, uh, and I like it because it's the easiest to understand. And so those definitions of anxiety include situational anxiety, chronic anxiety, and acute anxiety. And for this, I'm asking Brennan to put this uh, chart on the screen here. And the, this is called the Mental Health Continuum Tool or Continuum Model. And it's all about how we're dealing with our anxiety. As you can see on this chart, there are four colors. Green, yellow, orange, and red. On the green side, we have healthy thinking. The yellow is responding and reacting. The orange is injured and the red is ill. And I want to a little talk a little bit about that today. So on top you probably see an arrow going back and forth. That means you can actually move around on the continuum model. You could actually go from the injured back to the healthy, but you need the right tools to do that. Or you can go the wrong way and go into the ill zone. Um, I want to start with the green zone, and the green zone talks about a healthy person. It involves normal mood fluctuations, right? Uh, we will always have normal uh, uh, mood fluctuations. If the computer doesn't get cooperate with us, we can't figure something out, and we're under deadline for time and stuff, you know, we might sense a little bit of anxiety, right? Uh, that's normal, and then once you fix it, that goes away. Um, in a healthy model, there's normal mood fluctuations, there's calm and taking things in stride, good sense of humor, performing well, uh, we seem to be in control mentally, we sleep well, we get up well at the right time, we don't, uh, we don't um, and we go to bed at time, and we have physical energy, and we're physically and socially active, and we're not prone to addictions when we're in the green zone. But in the yellow zone, which is the responding and reacting zone, things change. This is actually the most important zone. In our brain, on the side of our brain, is a little thing about the size of an acorn called the amygdala. And I happen to believe that uh, the amygdala it was put there by God. It's obviously a creation of God. And it kind of makes us aware of uh, something that could cause us problems if we are not aware of that. For, for instance, if I'm trying to cross a road and cars are going this way, but I need to cross the road and they are just moving, uh, if you've ever had to do that, you probably all of a sudden sense this kind of anxiousness. This, And that's actually the amygdala reacting biochemically and sending out signals that you better be careful as you cross this road. And then when we get to the other side of the road, ah, I made it, and we almost forget that we had this. This is called situational anxiety. Uh, situational anxiety for me can be three kinds of levels. The first one is a low-level situational anxiety, which is like simple tasks that we need to get done, maybe things we got to get done around the house. 
the mid-level situational anxiety, an exam we need to write, or a high-level situational anxiety, which is a health diagnosis. Actually, the situational anxiety or the yellow zone or the reacting zone here, which is situational anxiety, is the most important phase on the continuum model. Because with the right tools, we can get back into the green. With the wrong tools, we can move into the injured zone. And uh, the reacting zone uh, causes us to be irritable, impatient, nervous, uh, feeling sadness, feeling overwhelmed, procrastinating, forgetting things, trouble sleeping, intrusive thoughts, nightmares, muscle tension, low energy, decreased activity, and maybe uh, um, regular uh, substance use. Who knows, right? So the situational, situational anxiety is, is actually a very, very serious time uh, because we need to make sure that in situational anxiety, we get back into the green zone. What, what, what has to happen here uh, is our goal always has to be, how do I get back into the green zone as fast as possible? How do I get into the healthy zone? How do I get back into the healthy zone? as quickly as possible. And if we don't have the right tools, we can move into the injured zone. Well, how do we get back into the green zone? Well, number one, pray. Cast all our cares upon him, for he cares for you. Intercessory prayer will get can get us back into the green zone. My mom used to pray all the time when things came up, just praying. Uh, something cool about God hearing our struggles uh, you know, God hears us when we pray. Uh, be anxious for nothing, right? He hears us. But we also need community. I need community to help me get back into the healthy green zone because the way I'm built, I will overthink the situational anxiety. I'll make it much worse than it really is. I will overthink it. Uh, I will look at so many different angles that will actually never happen. I'll be thinking of the worst case scenarios. And without somebody there to uh, debrief with, somebody I trust, I can move into the injured zone very fast. If I if I stay alone and I don't process by my, uh, uh, I don't process well. And if I try to process it on my own and overthink the situation, so <clears throat> our community, our friends, can help us so that we don't overthink the situation. And friends might say, "Oh no, Jerry, you're taking that a little too far." And that boss said that to you? I don't think that's what the boss meant. I don't think the boss was thinking of firing you. <clears throat> I think the boss was just trying to say, we've got to be self-aware of this particular issue. And um, so a situational anxiety can often be uh, helped immediately by our community around us so that we get back into the green zone as quickly as possible. I think that people that uh, stay in the reacting zone and never involve community have a great possibility of running into the injured zone and even an anxiety even becoming chronic. So, uh, you know, we can have anger in the injured zone, anxiety, persuasive uh, sadness and hopelessness, negative attitudes. Uh, as anxiety becomes chronic, uh, we can maybe become workaholics, so we have anxiety at the, uh, on the foundation, and we don't want to deal with our anxiety, and we don't, and because we're dealing with the anxiousness of the situation, 
And the way to deflect and get our minds off the anxiousness is to work more, right? But we're never dealing with the situational anxiety. We're never processing uh, what caused the anxiety. So it can cause us to become workaholics, poor concentration, disturbed sleep, uh, uh, nightmares, avoidance, withdrawal, and even uh, more uh, prone to addictive behavior. Uh, in the injured zone, we may need to get a psychotherapist or a Christian counselor to help us process our grief so that we can get back into the healthy zone. And then if we don't deal with our injured zone, if we keep going along those uh, lines and stay in our injured zone, we can actually end up in the ill zone, acute stress disorder, where we have panic attacks, we could even have thoughts of suicide, um, can't sleep, um, we can, it affects us physically, we can get involved into it, in addictions in a big way. So with this mental health continuum chart, when it comes to anxiety, what I'm trying to show us is it is vital to have the right community help us get into the green zone. In the ill zone, you may need a psychiatrist. You may need a psychologist. I've dealt with people in the ill zone. And uh, I was sharing, I know one person uh, who, whose panic attacks were seizures, and that person would have up to 20 seizures a day because that person was living in the ill zone. We need to look at the yellow zone, the responding, reacting zone. And that is where we need to pray. That is where we need to employ um, our community and get people that can help us uh, get back into the green zone because God wants us to pursue wholeness. So in conclusion again, uh, I talk a little bit about the transformational model, which is the pursuit of wholeness. Love God with all your heart, spiritual transformation, salvation, Jesus is our Savior. That's step one. Love God with all your soul, personality and mental health transformation psychology transformation, seeking. Love God with all your mind, conceptual transformation. Love God with all your strength, motivational transformation. Love your neighbor, relationship transformation. And love yourself, self-identity transformation. God wants us, I'm, I believe this, he wants us to pursue wholeness. We all know that we will never get to wholeness, but we can do everything in our power to get to wholeness as much as possible. When I'm sick, I'll call my doctor. That doctor helps me pursue wholeness when I'm physically sick. The same, friends, applies to mental health. We need to do everything in our power to pursue wholeness. I believe that is the will of God. I trust this, has been a, this discussion has been a blessing for you today. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Pastor Joel. We're just going to be having a little panel here. Um, you've just been listening to Jerry uh, teach, and uh, we were planning to do this panel live, uh, but just with uh, us not meeting in person, we decided to do this on Zoom. So I'm going to get each one of our panel's guests to introduce themselves, and then we're going to be having a conversation just about mental health and dealing with some of the questions you have this morning. So we'll start with Jerry. Yeah. Hello, I'm Jerry Ton. It's a great privilege and honor to be here. Um, I've spent uh, many, many years in the field of mental health, uh, working with Emerge Ministries uh, for, out of Akron, Ohio. I was connected with them and uh, worked a lot with pastors in our 
in our denomination, uh, most recently with the Western Ontario District. I do seminars for the Mental Health Commission of Canada, various seminars. And also I've been involved in doing seminars across Canada and churches. I have a Master of Arts degree in the field of counseling and a doctorate in uh, leadership systems theories. And I'm also a part-time adjunct professor at Vanguard, uh, not Vanguard, uh, Master's Bible College and Seminary. I'm actually from Edmonton, so I've got Vanguard in my head. Uh, Master's Bible College and Seminary for the last 14 or 15 years, I've been doing their adjunct work in the field of psych. I took a few years off, but maybe three years, but basically been involved in that for 15 years. It's an honor and a privilege to be here today. I'm uh, James Otwell. Um... I'm a 12-year member with the Edmonton Police Service, and uh, currently I work in our employee family assistance group, uh, where I'm the critical and stress coordinator. Um, taking a few courses on mental health, I'm an assist trainer, which is applied suicide intervention training, um, a uh, R2MR, it used to be called, which is Road to Mental Readiness, which is what Jerry talked about um, as well. And uh, likewise, I just uh, feel very privileged to be here, and uh, hope we can answer some questions today. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Laurel Osnett, and I am currently um, a high school counselor out in New Sarepta, and I'm just finishing up my master's in school counseling. And um, yeah, I'm excited to have conversations this morning and answer some questions. And many of you know me. I'm Joel. I'm one of the pastors at Eaglemont. Um, a lot of you know that I also have my master's degree in counseling, so I am uh, going to be kind of facilitating the conversation here with these very well-skilled and educated people um, and the odd time maybe contributing a little bit to the conversation myself. So we want to dive right into this. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've thrown this out to try and get what your questions are. So the questions that we're going to be uh, discussing today are not the questions we've composed, but ones that we've received um, from our church family. So some of you may have put questions in and they might not be worded the way that you did as we've kind of compiled and tried to combine a few of the questions that overlapped and we'll try to hit as many of these as we can. So uh, everybody ready? Here we go. As ready as we'll ever be. <laughs> All right. So question number one uh, is this. People in my home are struggling with the isolation of COVID and the implications that it has had on their mental health. What would you suggest to help with this? Um, go ahead, okay, Laura. Go ahead. No, I was going to jump in and just say, you know, I think something that I like to remind people about right at the get-go is that having that feeling, feeling emotions towards that, having anxiety, um, or even just being able to let yourself feel those things is super normal. And, and I always like to remind people that, you know what, having those feelings is normal and you need to give yourself the time to have them. Um, if you're feeling anxiety uh, around your family or with your family, talking to them um, is important. So I just wanted to kind of start off with that for sure is just reminding people that it's okay to feel those things for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just that there's a commonality and that a lot of people are feeling that right now. And as the as the months drag on, it seems to get a little bit harder. So um, yeah, just I guess maybe just acknowledging that it is a common feeling that people are having and that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of letting people actually share and vent and not have to do so in a logical way. 
Um, you're not really venting if you have to logically process it first, allow people just to, to share um, if they're in your family and they need to, um, and, and don't, don't force it to be that they have to do it super well. Right. Because uh, yeah, that yeah. might mean it might never come out. Yeah. Yeah. Or that you have to understand how they're sharing. Yeah. You know, everyone has their own unique way, right? So just be gentle with one another about that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I know we've talked about this as a church, but I'll, I'll, I'll add this on to uh, the good suggestions you guys have given. But um, don't allow your world to become small. And I know that that seems ironic right now because for a lot of us, our worlds have physically become small. Many of you are working from home, um, and so it's not as as easy as it, it once was. Um, but I think part of the pressure here is that it can be easy to shrink your world even further. Um, and it's easy because there's a pressure in our world to want to make camps, um, whether that's I'm a masking or not masking camp, or I am uh, COVID is this or COVID is that. I don't, don't allow yourself to be put into a camp and... Um, I think there's a lot of relationship, relational friction as people feel unsafe and unsure. Uh, don't buy into that and don't allow your relationships to be stolen from you in that. Yeah. 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 God I think that maintenance of that maintenance of, of normal is super important to talk about too. Yeah. Um, you know, we're stuck, right? I mean, I'm working from home a lot. Uh, I know lots of people who are and just keeping that normal schedule, those normal routines, right? Like I'm still getting up and starting my day at the exact same time. I would have been at the office. I'm still eating lunch at the same time. And that's important for mental health because it keeps you feeling as normal as possible, even though this is not normal and this is not the new norm as people like to say, uh, it's important to make your life as normal. So if you, you know, normally would work out every night after supper, go outside, Work out, keep doing those things, right? If you take your dog for a walk, um, it's just important to kind of keep up that similar routine over and over again. That's what's that's what you would have done normally. So why change it for COVID is kind of what I, I like to say. So that's good. Um, if you don't want to annoy the people around you, don't use the term new normal. That also is oh. a good I'll throw out. I don't like that saying. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this next question specifically towards Laurel, just because of your experience in, in schools and working with kids um, and teens. Um, the question was, how do I help my child with anxiety around COVID and all the changes that they've had to go through? Do you have any um, suggestions for for parents? Yeah, so that's uh, something we hear a lot in the schools is, uh, you know, kids um, kids are experiencing loss. They're experiencing like loss of uh, being around teammates and playing things like hockey or going to gymnastics or to dance or all the activities that they would have been doing before um, have been shut down or have changed in, in some way. And so I think the biggest thing uh, we talk to kids at school about is looking for ways of uh, what they could do instead. Um, so I know a lot of the kids are going to the outdoor arenas and um, you know, it's not the same, it's different. We have to acknowledge that it's different, but mm -hmm. finding the activities, what, you know, what they could do instead of, um, I think the worst thing is to sit at home and sort of um, keep, uh, keep ruminating in the thoughts of, you know, what they don't have and start looking at what can we do instead of those other activities that we were doing before. So I think that's uh, super important. And then one thing at school, 
uh, we started looking at looking for ways of um, showing gratitude and then helping others because that takes the focus off ourselves and what we've lost. So um, just looking for other ways um, rather than just focusing on everything that we don't have um, has been helpful. Good. It's good. Either, either you guys want to add on to that anything before we good no, no. awesome i'm going to slightly change our order here because uh, we did have a few a few of our questions we just threw out ahead of time but i uh i'm going to ask this question which is a, a question a little more on a theological bend um so jerry maybe if you wanted to uh speak to this one to start but what does the bible have to tell us about mental illness and mental health um, and there were some follow-up questions, pretty loaded here, that kind of came with that. So what causes it? Um, is mental health the result of sin or spiritual attack or demon possession? What does the Bible have to teach us about mental health? You got 20 seconds. I think you can answer all of that. <laughs> this is a question that comes up a lot. And um, I think one of the reasons it comes up is we don't often think of mental health as as a part of the whole, right? Like for instance, if you have a heart condition, you know, we're quick to help with the heart condition. We, you know, if you have, you're struggling with a tumor, we go for surgery. And I think what has happened often, even in Christian circles, is that we haven't understood that there's also brain disease, right? So there can be biochemical issues, um, brain injuries, trauma, um, these kinds of things can affect our mental health. And I think we need to have the same kind of empathy mm -hmm. towards a brain issue that we have towards, say, someone who has a heart condition. And I think that's how God sees us. And, you know, if you want to get theological about it, um, we're all part of the fall. And after Adam and Eve sinned and fell, we began to deteriorate. So, for instance, uh, we're finding that we, we go through life, we may not have any brain injuries issues, but all of a sudden we're uh, getting older and we're wrestling with Alzheimer's and dementia, right? And those kind of issues, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all connected to, to the fall of man. Or maybe we're, we're, we're having bipolar struggles, right? Uh, again, those are biochemical imbalances in the brain, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I think... That Jesus, who has, who's filled with compassion and love and empathy towards those who are sick, right? Mm -hmm. That includes our, our brain, includes our mental health. So mm -hmm. I think it falls under the same kind of category, and which leads us to another issue, which is the importance for not stigmatizing people, right? But I know I think you're going to cover that a little bit later. So those are my thoughts. Those are good, Jerry. I, I think... Yeah, if I can if I can add to that a little bit, I think it's the um, what is the what is the cause of mental health illness? Like, what's the root cause there? I think that's one of actually the gifts we have in the Bible and in our Christian faith is an understanding of the fall and sin and its impact on all of humanity. So when we say that um, it can be a, a hard answer to give, because if you say, well, what's the cause of mental illness? Sin. I think oftentimes for people, they correlate that to personal sin. 
So it's 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 the result of something I did. I made a mistake, and I'm being penalized for it. Um, but it's as you stated, it's no different than someone who has cancer. They don't have cancer because of something they've personally done, but rather mm -hmm. it's the result of sin in our world, which mm -hmm. has made it so that the perfection that God made at creation, we've seen that being tainted. Mm -hmm. Correct. So that's stigmatization in the church, as, as you mentioned, that um, I think sometimes there's a, there's a judgmental um, perspective that can come in on that. Um, what was wrong with this um but we see throughout scripture there there is the reality of uh, mental illness can be you know um it can look like demon possession we see that in mark mm -hmm. chapter five um that does occur in scripture mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean every time someone is displaying uh uh that uh type of of, of um of out, outburst is is demon possessed um, that's a great way to ostracize people and live a lonely life. If you want to just blame that on every person that you see, um, the reality is there. But I think, as you said, how do we reach out and and reach out with empathy and with care? Um, that's that's the heart of a Christ follower. So the next question was tied with this, um, and we kind of already answered it. But why does why does mental illness exist, and why would God allow it? to happen well it, it exists we already i think mentioned it because of the fall of man and why does god allow it to happen after man fell god allowed uh failure into this world right and and that's where we have to um begin to look for a savior that's what the work of that's what what the message right. of, of the cross is all about uh, we need we need a savior Yep. And uh, ultimate healing will come one day when we're in the presence of the Lord. Some of us may be healed here. Mm -hmm. Some of us may receive our ultimate healing with the Lord. But it, again, it's no different than any other uh, physical issue. Why does God allow sickness to happen? Right? It's the same question. Right? Yep. Well, yep. after after the fall, th that was the repercussion, the outcome of, of the fall, if that's helpful. That's good. Uh, we're going to move on. Um, and uh, if, if we're hitting questions and you're like, I would like to hear more about this again, please contact us. But we're going to fly through a lot of these questions pretty quick um, for sake of time this morning. But um, throwing this out to you guys, what are some coping mechanisms to help with those who are faced with depression and anxiety in particular? What are some good coping mechanisms to help with that? I mean, I can jump in on that one, Joel. It's, um, you know, it's, it, it's vast, right? Coping mechanisms, uh, everybody copes in their, in their own ways. Um, recommendations, you know, that I know I give out on a regular basis for people who are feeling like they're in the, the orange zone, right? Like Jerry was talking about earlier uh, with the continuum there. You know, things like getting lots of rest, expressing your feelings with people around you praying um you know reaching out if you if you do live alone or you're, you know, you're someone who's just at home thinking about this covid thing um you know having some friends or family that you can reach out to and express those feelings um those are great starts um and again i think i mentioned it earlier too but remembering that having those feelings is normal right anxiety depression um you know yes they can they can be very serious but sometimes wallowing in it right or 
spending your own time on it and not expressing those feelings, you're not being patient with yourself. You're not being gentle towards those feelings. Right. So mm -hmm. it's kind of good places to start for sure. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I think Joel, you had mentioned before about not, not shrinking our world. So continue like looking for ways to connect. And I know, you know, we talk about zoom fatigue and whatnot, but like finding those ways that you, you know, that you can connect, like have, have a, you know, a fire in your fire pit in your backyard now that you can gather with a few more people. And um, I know some kids at school have gotten together in their garage and kind of socially distanced and played board games, um, you know, within their cohort at school, they're cohorted into grades. And um, we just have to be, I guess, a little more creative. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, something I like to do, I like to think about is the fact that it's not a one-time deal. Right. I mean, you say so you reach out to a friend or a colleague and share those feelings. Um, that's not something that you just do once and oh, you're going to feel better when that's done. Right. That might be something that's ongoing. You might need that support. Right. And hopefully that person that you chose is there for you for that. Um, if not, choose a different one. Right. That is there when you need them. Um, but for sure, it's that reach out is important. Yeah. Um, this next question I know came from one of uh, the teens in our church, and I just think it's such a great question. Um, Jerry, you may be able to answer it on a real theologically deep basis, but I think all of us might have um, some thoughts towards it. But what, if anything, can the Bible or a Christian faith offer to help those who struggle with mental health? I, I have often used Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> we often need theologize that passage to talk about lifestyle, right? The renewing of the mind, yeah, right? And I think that's not managing all of those theological polarities well in that text. I, I actually believe it goes beyond how I live. I think that Paul, who's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying that God would love to renew our minds, right? to bring us his peace that surpasses all understanding, mm -hmm. um, uh, to bring us to a place where we are anxious for nothing, right? Mm. Uh, that, interestingly enough, that passage, be anxious for nothing, uh, I, I did a lot of research on it from the original text in the Greek, and it actually talks about chronic anxiety. It's not talking about a reactive anxiety. So it's an ongoing, perpetual kind of an anxiety. So Romans 12 is, uh, talks about the renewing of the mind. God wants to fill us with his joy, his peace. Um, that's uh, one of the things that I remember when I became a brand new Christian. Uh, I was 12 years of age. I was filled with this unbelievable peace. Where did that come from, right? And then I realized that's the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God wants our minds renewed. He wants to be in our minds, heal our minds, you know. And I mean, that doesn't mean we'll all be healed of our mental health issues. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying right in that passage, we see God's intent of, of working in our, in our minds. I don't know. Is that helpful, Joe? Yeah, I think that's cool. great. Great thoughts. Um, Laurel and James, I don't know if I, either of you have anything you'd want to You'd want to throw it there as well. Um, I guess for our youth, I think I would say to them is uh, um, 
we teach at school how to be there for others. And I think, you know, um, the biggest takeaway for youth and uh, is that idea that you don't have to fix your friend's problems. Hmm. Um, you just have to be there to listen. So just giving them like just listening um, and just being authentic with them. And then um, I guess then knowing where to reach out. Like your job isn't to, to fix all your friends, but your job is to listen. And then do you, do you have the right um, information in front of you to know where to go, to seek the help from, um, you know, those who are trained, like, yeah. I think is like the biggest uh, thing that I would say for our youth. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And it's that stress reaction and, and just to kind of springboard off what Jerry said, like that interruption in that peace, mm. right? You know, and blessed be those who feel that peace, right? But mm -hmm. mental health comes with a price. And sometimes the price is the interruption of that peace, sure. right? And that is where we need to acknowledge that um, some of the common signs and, and symptoms of stress-related events like that cause anxiety, right? You know, the not sleeping, the, feel, the feelings of guilt, of, of changing in activities, like lack of, of uh, energy, things like that. You know, those are an interruption in that beautiful, beautiful gift, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's, you know, as a family, as a friend, as a coworker, uh, as a professional, right? That's something that we, we should be always watching for, for sure. I think um, I think the, the Bible actually has a lot to say in regards to to our mental health. Um, again, not segregating it from the other aspects of our being. Um, and I think you know when you look at um, a lot of the great psychological tools that are helpful in being able to treat, um, all of them fall short in actually really discovering the etiology of mental health issues. So what, what actually is the ultimate source? And so, you know, one of the things that the Bible provides us of it is it lets us know what ultimately is the source of the mental illnesses that we struggle with. Um, as we've talked about earlier in, in, in the original sin that has tainted the world from what it was. Um, and we see that played out in a myriad of ways, including our own mental health. Um, I think the, the importance, though, of the grace of God. In, in helping us to be able to, um, to walk through that. That for those of us who struggle in this regard, we are not pushed to the side. We are not uh, no longer worthy of God. Rather, in, in fact, none of us are actually worthy, but made worthy by the power of the cross. And so it is not something that we are to live shamefully in secret, but we are able to live openly. And one of the great gifts that God has made is his church, his church that he calls to bear each other's burdens, that we don't need to be afraid of this. We don't need to be those who live uh, with the stigma that oftentimes in our society and unfortunately, sometimes in our churches, people do live with, because as followers of Jesus, we understand that our identity is not rooted in the insufficiencies of our physical beings, but rather our identity is rooted in our relationship with Christ. So we don't have to ignore the reality of our struggle, but we are able to live still with being solidified and made solid in the reality of our identity in Jesus. 
And I think those are really important things to, to keep us tied in. Um, yeah. 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 yeah I, look, for instance, when uh, sometimes I have people in the church that need psychotherapy or counseling, mm-hmm. that's what I appreciate about Christian counseling. It's the fact that we bring God into the picture, right? Mm-hmm. And really, how do we do this without God? So thank you, Joel. Um, we are already hitting our time limit. Um, and I have so many other questions that I would, I would love to, to be able to discuss here. Um, but if I can, I'm going to throw out one question here and give one of us a chance to respond to it. Um, and that is this. How can I, as a member of this church, I want to have one question that's focused not on maybe a self, but an out. Um, how can I, as a member of this church, care for, support, and make this church welcoming to those who struggle with mental health issues? Well, I'll start off with a couple of those, Joel, and then I'll pass it off. But uh, listen, 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 right? And be genuine about that, right? Yeah. Um, spend time or via Zoom, whatever you can do with that person. And don't take what they say personally, right? What they have to say is important to them, right? And you're just there to hold space for them to release that to you. So I'll start off with that, but I'm sure there's lots of great ideas here. I think too, when God put people on our heart to to take the time to reach out to them. So I had a really cool um, thing happen to me this weekend. I received a card from a church member um, and it just came at the right time. It, it came when I, you know, had gotten home from dealing with a difficult uh, situation at work and the letter took a little longer to arrive and God sent it right when I needed it. So mm-hmm. I think that that was really powerful for me um, because then it's opened up my heart to how can I reach out to others? Yeah. And I might add empathy. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in the Corinthians. One member of the body suffers, we all suffer. Mm-hmm. That's my empathetic passage, right? We actually participate yeah. in the suffering. Yeah. And, um, and another passage, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 1, uh, we receive comfort from God so we can comfort others. It's another, for me, powerful passage. And, uh, and these are empathy. Here's where we see empathy, right? In scripture, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. We, we also receive the transforming power of Christ that changes us, but we aren't, we aren't what is to change others. That is always the work of the spirit, but that mm-hmm. we are comforted and we are empowered so that we can comfort. And I think that's where oftentimes a lot of us feel temptation, especially with those who we care about deeply, we feel a pressure to want to change. We want to save them. We want to get them out. But in so doing, we actually, we don't comfort and we ostracize. And I, for someone who's like me, who is, I'm a helper and I, I want to fix things. I think we can get frustrated with that. But the key of understanding, we are called to comfort. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to actually bring change in the lives of people. And if we allow the spirit to do what only the spirit can do, but we step in in what he allows us to do, that's that's a powerful environment for healing and transformation. Yeah. 
Um, this is going to bring us to the end of our discussion time. Um, but I just want to maybe uh, on behalf of us, just lead a, a prayer for those of you who are listening and who are watching. Um, and perhaps uh, what we're talking about today is pertinent for in your life. Or maybe there's someone who's with you or someone in your life that you know that this is really key for them. And the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now about how you are to be involved in their life. We just want to pray for you. And then Pastor Marlowe is going to come in and conclude our service time together. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you that it's not on us. Thank you that you welcome us in our brokenness. Jesus, as you said, you didn't come for the healthy, but you came for the sick. And perhaps some of us are very aware that we are sick today. I just pray for each one where they are at. I pray that the enemy would not be able to use that to make them feel like they are unworthy and should not in any way come to a holy God. But God, you came specifically for them. And you reach out to them. And their sickness does not scare you. Their sickness does not make them more unworthy to you, but you call them son and daughter. And I just pray, God, for those who, who have lived in secret and in shame in their struggle, I pray that perhaps just even the conversation we've started today can give them courage and boldness to reach out, to speak to someone in their lives, maybe one of the pastors from your church or someone in their small group, maybe a family member, someone close to them, to just share how they're struggling. I pray that they could find true healing, God, in the restoring relationship that we can have with you, Jesus. God, we, we pray that uh, you would give those of us who are there to comfort, would you help us not to try to change, help us not to try and teach Help us not to judge, but help us to reach out with the loving grace that you reach out with. And we pray during this time where many are challenged and struggled, can we today and this week lift each other? Can we bear each other's burdens together? And in so doing, we know that that brings honor to you and glory to you. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.